Welcome to What the Bump. In this episode, we have Sabrina Lopez coming on the podcast to share her birth story with her son, Brixton. Sabrina's birth story is actually pretty quick and pretty crazy. Her pregnancy, actually, we will say was quick. She ended up actually delivering at 24 weeks and three days. She had her baby boy almost alone, but natural and a vaginal birth in the hospital. She was told that he had about less than a 50% chance of making it past 24 hours of life. But after a 105-day NICU stay, he was home, not with any oxygen or even a feeding tube. He has surpassed all milestones and truly is a miracle. He's now two years old and is just healthy and thriving. So you guys are going to love this episode with Sabrina. There's so much that just goes into it and that she unpacks, whether it be, you know, from her birth story or from her NICU stay, but truly it's amazing. Her biggest bit of advice was all about just staying positive and, you know, knowing that now and then now listening to her birth story, you guys will see that that is a huge theme throughout her entire story. She was just positive. She was full of faith and she really just kept her mind in the right place throughout her entire journey. So let's jump into this episode with Sabrina. Hello and welcome to What the Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to another episode of What the Bump. We have Sabrina on the podcast to share her birth story. So thank you for being here, Sabrina. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Awesome. So just starting off, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your family, how you met your partner and all that good stuff. Um, well, I am currently a stay-at-home mom, but before I became a stay-at-home mom, I was a middle school teacher. Um, the way me and Brian met is actually pretty interesting. So we met at a bar through a mutual friend and, you know, we kind of had just been talking with like me, my friend and him. And all of a sudden she left cause she's not really like a going out type. So I went back to hang out with my roommate And all of a sudden, Tennessee Whiskey by Chris Stapleton comes on, and I just see someone coming towards me. They grab my drink, put it down, grab my hand, and take me to the dance floor, and it was Brian. (laughs) And so before I even had a chance to be like, no, I don't want to dance, he kind of didn't allow me to have that little say-so that he typically would. And then ever since then, we've kind of just been inseparable. So it's a pretty fun, interesting, like, way to tell everyone how we met because it's really usually not like that. It's kind of like a movie in a way, but it's yeah. not. I know I, I am. I'm like vividly picturing like a movie scene, <laughs> honestly. Movie. It really was because I'm usually the kind of girl where whenever I'm out with my friends, like it's just to have a good time. But he was like, nope, like I'm going to make sure that you are not able to say no to me and we're just going to have a good time together. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. So and then, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no. Um, so was this your first pregnancy, first baby? Yes. It's my first pregnancy, first baby. Okay, and awesome. I had actually always wanted a big family, but, um, after kind of what we gone through, I think we'll just see where it goes. Yes. Yeah. And we yeah. will definitely get into all, all of what you've gone oh, yeah, through. All the juiciness. <laughs> yes. So tell me about finding out then that you were pregnant. Were you trying or was it kind of a surprise? Um, but I kind of knew like right off the bat. So we had actually went to Reno for New Year's Eve with a friend 
and I was supposed to be starting while we were up there, but I got car sick on the way up there and I'm typically not someone who gets car sick. So I kind of had a feeling like something was up. And then while we were there, Brian and I are big foodies. Like we love food. Like when we go on trips, we are all about eating at like amazing places. Um, we went to a restaurant with our friend and I love meat and I had a meatloaf and I just looking at it was like, I'm going to throw up. Like it was just disgusting me. So I was like, okay, that's weird. Like maybe I'm just coming down with something. Um, so then we went to the back to the hotel. We kind of rested, explored the town a little bit more. And then that night was New Year's Eve. So we went and had a nice dinner, same thing. You know, the food just was, it was good. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, like I just, I feel like this is going to come up. Um, I didn't want to drink. Something was just telling me not to drink. So after dinner, we actually went back to the hotel to change so we could go out and I puked my brains out. And I was like, okay, something is up. I still haven't started. Like, so we went out and then the next day, same thing, right home car sick so Brian and I came home our friend left and then we went to was it Long Beach we went somewhere um to one of the beaches because Brian's a beekeeper so we had to go check on the bees same thing car sick food was making me nauseous and I was like okay like something is definitely not up. like now I'm like two three days late I look at food and I am just sick to my stomach like I keep throwing up so when we came back took a pregnancy test and sure enough boom, <laughs> like pink line. I was like, okay. So I had actually texted my friend and I was like, I don't think this is right. She's like, we'll take another one. So I took another one and I'm like, no, like this can't be. She actually, my best friend was like, Sabrina, you are pregnant. Like there's no way around it. And yeah, ever since then, I mean, I grew up the entire pregnancy. So it was kind of my all tell sign that something was up. <laughs> Yes. It's so funny how we can like get positives and like every woman does that too. We're like, well, let me go buy a digital one to make sure. <laughs> well, let, let me go buy the pink dye ones. Let me go buy the blue dye ones. It's like, come on, you know, like a positive is a positive, but yet we want, like, I literally probably took 50 pregnancy tests. Like it's so funny. It's, and I know. And the funny thing is too, is like my best friend who I had sent it to first, whenever she came out pregnant, she did like the same exact thing. And I was like, you are pregnant. Stop wasting your money. Like, and it was funny because roles reversed. And then I'm like, no, like there's yeah. no way. Like it's just, it's not accurate. That is so funny. So how was your pregnancy? Take me through your pregnancy. Um, I know you said you were kind of like sick from day one. That was your telltale sign. But you know, aside from that, what was it like to be pregnant? It was honestly a really rough pregnancy. Um, I, like I said, threw up nonstop. I mean, and it wasn't just, you know, a little bit, it was straight exorcism throwing up to where, um, Brian felt bad for me. Like he would hear me in the middle of the night and he would just be like, I wish there was something I could do for you. And so it was, it was bad. And I was teaching at the time. So I actually had to have, um, one of my teacher friends, her aide would come to my classroom. I would go throw up come back, teach. And then within an hour or two, be like, Hey, can you send your aid back over, go throw up, come back, teach. It was, it was rough. And then, um, my OBGYNs, I feel like they kind of just brushed it off. Like, Oh, it's your first pregnancy, you know? Oh. Yep. You don't really know what you're talking about. Um, there's three of them in the practice. So you see all three of them and you rotate around them. And it was in February where I had actually gotten really sick because I mean, I'm a teacher, so I'm around germs all the time. 
And um, I had gone to my appointment and Brian had actually came with me and I'm in the parking lot throwing my brains up. I haven't urinated in almost 24 hours. Mm. Like I can barely stand like something was wrong. So I was sick and I had pregnancy sickness. And I told my doctor and he was like, okay, well, you know, you can take, um, I forget what it is. It's something to help you not throw up. And I was like, I, you guys already gave me that. Like, and it's just, it's not working. Like, um, so he's like, okay, well, you're probably going to need fluids. So I asked him, I said, well, can you call the ER or let them know ahead of time that I'm coming in because it's, you know, the peak of flu season. So that way they could just give me my fluids and I can go. And he said, no, I can't do that. So I go to the ER and it's um, almost 10 hours. It's like three o'clock in the morning. And I'm basically the only one in there. I'm just seeing people with sprained ankles passing by me. People, you know, it's just everyone's passing by me. And I'm just sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and waiting my turn patiently. So finally at three in the morning, I was like, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm tired. I'm pregnant. I don't feel good. Like I can't remember the last time I drank water. So I went home. And the next day I called my um, brother and he's like, you know what, let's talk to Alex, which is his girlfriend and she's a nurse. So I asked her, she's like, there's some really good, um, you know, clinics and um, oh, what are they called? Urgent cares. She's like, why don't you call one and see if they can get you in? Cause I'm from Tulare, which is two hours from where I live now. So it is just crazy to me how God works. Like just to say that I had called the one she recommended and this guy answers. And so I'm like, hi, like my name's Brina Lopez. Like I am calling um, to see if I can come in to get some fluids. And he's like, oh, hi. He's like, I'm so-and-so. And I was like, oh my gosh, I must've called the wrong number. Like I'm trying to get a hold of the urgent care. He's like, oh no, like I'm the doctor. And I'm like, okay, what are the odds that a doctor answers yeah. the phone? <laughs> and so he's like, what's going on? I was like, well, and I just start like crying. And I'm like, I haven't peed in 24 hours. Like I'm pregnant. Like I need fluids. Like I can barely stand in the shower. And so he was like, okay, if you can make it down here, he's like, you come down here. I'm going to tell my nurse and I'm going to tell my receptionist that you're coming down. We will get you the fluids you need. He's like, if you can, he goes, try to make it down here. So I did, I made the trip and I mean, immediately put me on fluids. And I think I went through like a bag and almost a half of fluids Hmm. in that one sitting. And he was just he was mortified that my, you know, OBGYN to let me go that dehydrated being pregnant. Right. He was like, I can't believe that they haven't listened to you. And he even asked me, he's like, have you been throwing up like this the whole time? And I said, yeah. And I tell them and they just don't take it serious. And he told me anytime you feel dehydrated, you call and we will get you the fluids that you need. So that was a breath of fresh air. But I mean, they just... <laughs> It was a rough pregnancy. It really was between the throwing up all the time, me feeling like it, like I didn't have support from my OBGYNs. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't tell me the results of my glucose test. Um, you know, I did the Down syndrome test. Um, they didn't tell me the results of that. After we did ultrasounds, they never told me anything. It was just kind of like, okay, hi, how are you? Okay, bye. Like it was never in depth. And I think that was kind of my, sign that I probably should have found someone after the first couple times I met with them. They didn't take my steps serious. Right. Right. That was going to be my next question. If you ended up switching OBs or, um, not. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Okay. <laughs> and gotcha. I wish, I wish, 
I wish I would have. And you know what? Um, just they weren't the best, and everybody had raved so highly about them. But my experience, I think, was a lot different. Like right. I had also lost a ton of weight because you know I couldn't eat, mm-hmm. and um, I remember whenever there was like a little time where it started to ease up a little bit. And I kind of had learned my body, like how I could drink water, which it sounds dumb, but I could only sip ice cold water. Cause if I chugged it or tried to take the gulp, I would throw it up. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was learning what was working with my body. Um, fruits were like my go-to. And, um, so I started gaining weight back and I remember one of them told me that I needed to slow down because between my last visit and this visit, I had gained five pounds. But aren't your visits like four weeks apart at this point too? (laughs) Yeah. And And so (laughs) I was like, okay. I was like, I'm not throwing up as harsh and I'm learning my body and I'm learning, you know, what my body can intake. I eat apples. Like I'm drinking water. Like I think it's, and she's like, well, you know, 15 pounds max is what you can gain. And you know, we're still in the beginning of the pregnancy. So, and I was like, okay. 15 pounds is like the very (laughs) lower limit for people. First of all, before I even say anything, weight recommendations to gain throughout pregnancy are bogus and stupid, but, um, 15 pounds, I believe like according to ACOG is what they tell like severely obese women to gain, um, at a minimum. So normal, healthy woman, um, anything from like, I want to say, they say like 25 to 40 pounds is considered normal for a healthy woman. So I do not think <laughs> it's just weird that she did. We were told yes. that. And Brian's mom was sitting there with me at this appointment and she was like mortified that she had said that. And I kind of was like, you know, I was sitting in the waiting room and I'm like, did you tell everybody that, that you've seen today? Because I mean, that's just, I mean, I was taken back by whenever they said that. So yeah, it was an interesting first pregnancy, which it wasn't very long, but (laughs) an interesting pregnancy to say the least. And I will never go back to them. I mean, there's so much more, even after the baby was born that I was like, I, yes, you guys can take someone else's service, but I'm done. And it's important to remember too, like, and I've said this in many other podcasts before, but, um, you know, as a patient, you always feel like you're at the mercy of your physician. Like, well, I have to do what they say. I have to listen to them. I have yeah. to take their recommendation. And like, let's not forget, like you're paying them. Like uh-huh. they, they actually are employed by you. So at any point, you, if you want to fire your doctor, like, girl, you go right ahead and you do that because you, you, you don't fall down to their mercy. They fall to yours because they're exactly by you. Well, and I feel like too, like as first time moms, like, I think maybe sometimes, like, I know for me, like I was scared, like, oh my gosh, what if I can't find another, you know, you can <laughs> someone else like in time, like, I feel like you're just so blindsided by everything and everything's so new that you don't really know, like, these are my, like, yeah, if I don't feel comfortable, I can leave and I can go find somebody else, somebody who's going to fit what I need better. Right. Right. Definitely. So let's get in then to kind of your birth and going into labor prior. I know you mentioned it was not um, long of a pregnancy already, but um, I don't know if you had much time prior to having your baby to think about what you wanted or envisioned your birth um, to be like, as far as like hospital, home, epidural, not. Um, So, you know, tell me a little bit about that and then tell me about going into labor. Okay. 
So, um, you know, with my first pregnancy, I was like, I have friends who have children already. So we've all, you know, talked about birth and all that. And I was like, you know what, I want to try to do it as natural as possible. You know, if I can, I just, I want to try. It's my first time, you know, I want to see if I can do this. Um, and I wanted, you know, to take like the classes to learn how to push and all the fun, you know, mommy yeah. stuff that, you know, you want to do with your first pregnancy. Um, a hospital was, you know, I'm not familiar with any of the other options, you know, so a hospital was where we were going to have the baby at. But yeah, I wanted to take the birthing classes. I wanted to do it all natural. I wanted to have, I guess you could kind of say that picture, typical movie kind of pregnancy that you see and, you know, delivery that you see on the movies. Like, oh man, she just went for it. Like, <laughs> that's, I wanted to be in a way, um, superwoman. So I did have, you know, some expectations for myself. I was able to do all of them just kind of in our own way. So I um, did deliver early at 24 weeks and three days. And I had a feeling that something was wrong the day before when I came home from work, I all of a sudden just started feeling sick. Like I'm cooking dinner and I'm like, oh, I must be coming down with a bug. I mean, I guess in teaching world, I just think every time I was coming down and not feeling good, it was just a bug <laughs> student. Um, and, you know, I started like getting tightness in my stomach and my back was hurting. So I went to Dr. Google and Dr. Google told me that it was Braxton Hicks and not to worry about it because you're so early in your pregnancy, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay. So I had made dinner and I told Brian, you know, I'm going to go lay down. I just, I don't feel good. I can't get a substitute tomorrow. It's eighth grade field trip. So, you know, everybody's already gone anyways. So he was like, okay. So I went lay down and I just like knocked out, like my body was hurting. And I was like, I just, I need to go to sleep. So I woke up the next day and, um, I still wasn't feeling good. My stomach was, you know, I was getting cramps still. My back was in excruciating pain, but I was like, I just, I have to pull through. Maybe my principal will let me leave right when the kids leave. So I could come home and rest for the weekend. Like, obviously I'm just, I'm sick. So I went ahead and Dr. Googled again before I left for work, Braxton Hicks, nothing to worry about, blah, blah, blah. So I get to work and, um, I had a really close relationship with our school nurse and she had three kids. And so I went to my classroom. I wasn't feeling good. And I, at this point, now I know that they were contractions. Um, I kept having the urge to go to the bathroom. And so break hits, I go in the teacher's lounge, I go to the bathroom and I'm spotty. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a little weird. So I go to the nurse and I was like, hey, you know, I'm kind of spotting, like I'm feeling really tight. Like, I don't know, like I kind of have this feeling like something might be wrong. So she's like, well, let's call your OBGYN. So I'm with her, I have it on speakerphone and I call and I said, you know, I'm 24 weeks pregnant. I just saw you guys seven, eight days ago. I go, you know, um, I feel like something might be wrong. And she's like, well, what's going on? And I told her that I was spotting and she said, okay, well, let me talk to your doctor. So she talked to my doctor, came back on the phone. She said, well, your doctor said that if you start having like nonstop blood and it's more than just a wipe, then you need to go to the ER. And I was like, solid advice. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Okay. 
So she had heard what they said and she said, no, she's like, if it starts to be more, you are not going to that hospital. You are not going to that doctor. She's like, I'm going to send you to another hospital. She goes, and you'll see whatever doctor is there. She's like, you're not going there. And so um, break was over. I went back to my classroom and it just, it got worse. And I was like, okay, like something is definitely up. Like these cramps, like they just keep getting tighter. Like, I feel like at this point, like I am bleeding. And so I called down to the office and I said, Hey, can you please have someone come take my classroom? Like I, I need to go home. And so they're like, okay, yeah. Well, of course, being a teacher, one of my students is like, Miss Lopez, I cannot be this girl's partner because we're fighting right now. And I was like, okay, sweetheart. Like we will talk about this on Monday. Miss Lopez is going to feel good, right? I'm not feeling good right now. So you know what? Like we will talk about this on Monday, but what do I always say? We don't have to like each other, but we have to respect each other. I was like, okay, because I taught middle school and they were all excited about my pregnancy. I was very close to my students. So I didn't want to scare them. So I had to just, even though I knew something was wrong, I had to have that brace face on. I didn't want to scare anybody in my office. And so I went to the school nurse and I told her, Hey, like I I'm going to go, like, I, I feel like something's wrong and I'm seeing more blood. So she gave me the address. Um, I guess I should mention that this is, it was only my second year living in this area. So I wasn't familiar with where any of the hospitals were, any of that. And um, she wrote down the address. So I call my best friend and I'm like, hey, she's a labor and delivery nurse. And she actually, the plan was for her to be in the room when I delivered. So I called her up and I was like, hey, Liz, you know, like I'm on my way to the ER because that's what my doctor said. And so <laughs> I was like, I'm on my way to the ER. Um, I feel like something was wrong. And so she's like, okay. She's like, well, whenever, you know, you get a cramp, just tell me. Well, lo and behold, when she finally saw me, she told me that she was timing my contractions. I, you know, I was just unaware because I was so early on my pregnancy. So I was like, okay. I was like, you know, I should probably call Brian and let him know what's going on. So I called Brian. I told him, Hey, you know, just to let you know, like I'm on my way to the doctor, like nothing's wrong. Like I just, I want to go get checked out. So I end up going to the hospital, which is like 45 minutes away from where I work. And I go to the ER like a dummy, didn't go to labor and delivery. Um, so then they had a wheelchair me to labor and delivery because they said I couldn't be seen there. And I ended up waiting like 20, 30 minutes for a wheelchair in the ER. Cause I guess since I wasn't screaming and pain and being dramatic, they thought I wasn't, you know, in labor. Um, so whenever I got to the triage, I kind of was starting to get teary eyed. Like I could tell like, okay, like my body is not right. So before they even finished my paperwork, she's like, you know what, I'm going to have you go to the back. So I went to the back and I'm just putting my typical brace face on these contractions are getting tougher. And the doctor comes, she's like, you know what, sweetheart, like we're talking about how her son's going to be a uh, teacher. Like we're just chit chatting. She's like, I'm going to check you. She goes, I can tell you're in pain and you're trying to brush it off. She texts me and she goes, oh my gosh you're fully dilated. We're taking you to the OR right now. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? I'm fully dilated. She's like, you're fully dilated. Like we're taking you to the OR right now. So I was like, as they're wheeling me away in a rush, I'm like Can somebody please call my boyfriend and let him know what's going on. Like he's my emergency contact. So I didn't have my phone on me. They take me to the OR. Um, the doctor there, she was uh, amazing. She had, I guess, just come out of retirement because she just enjoyed delivering babies so much. Mm. And she had like 
the calmest, soothest voice, along with like this just beautiful personality. You could tell she loved what she did. And so um, she really made giving birth, I think, a different experience than what could have happened. I was calm the whole time. I didn't need any extra oxygen. You know, she asked me if I wanted to try to do it naturally. And I said, yes, I said, I want to try to do this as natural as possible. So in between contractions, Brixton was actually kicking me. And I had told him, I said, is he kicking me? And they said, yeah. I was like, okay, I didn't know like what's going on. So um, it comes, Brian gets there right in time. My water breaks and it comes time to push. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is just, it's, it's really happening. Like this is what's going on. So I think it was about five or six pushes and I got him out. I mean, I know everyone thinks whenever you go into preterm labor, like, oh, it, it doesn't hurt that bad. They're so small, but man, those contractions towards the end are, they're brutal. Like they really are. And not having any birthing classes, not knowing exactly how to push not knowing, you know, anything really about delivering, I was very blindsided. And so I had to rely a lot on the nurses and the doctor to kind of talk me through it. And I think I was happy because they did offer me an epidural. And I said, no, I said, I don't, I don't want it. Like I, I can do this. And I think not having the epidural, um, it really did allow me to get that, at least that little bit of that experience. Sorry. No, it's okay. It allowed me to get that little bit of an experience of like, of what I wanted and what I thought of would be my dream delivery. So, yeah. And and mind you now, so this entire time, as you're telling the story, I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, you're, you're 24 weeks pregnant. Yeah. I cannot, I mean, was the doctor and the nurses kind of, you know, when she said you're fully dilated, did they kind of start like scrambling? I mean, what was going through your mind knowing, you know, I'm 24 weeks pregnant and this baby is coming because, you know, the age of viability, it's always changing, but you know, I think roughly they consider it 24 weeks. Yeah. Sometimes 22, but in most cases, 24 weeks is the age of viability, which just means, Mm -hmm. you know, around that 22 to 24 weeks is when we consider a baby able to live outside of the womb, um, still with tons of help, but you know, you're delivering at 24 weeks and three days. So what, Yeah. I mean, what was going through your mind? Like, I just, um, I think, like I said, the doctor, she was just, she was amazing. Like she had explained to me, you know, this is the window because when you deliver premature, they, I think actually, I don't know if it's just those two rooms. Cause I've been in a lot of the rooms while you're in the NICU, but um, I know they have two specific rooms where there's a window. And so that's where they put the baby through. And so she had explained to me, you know, this is the window. When you deliver, we're going to put him through that window. And I was like, okay. She's like, and she pulled the curtain back. She's like, you can see the team right there. And you know, literally like everybody in the team's like peeking by the window. She's like, there's our team. She goes, and our team is going to do whatever they can. I honestly had, um, no knowledge of premature birth before this happened. I had no knowledge of what a NICU was. I had no knowledge of the cutoff date 
for whenever a doctor gets to decide if they want to save your baby or not. So I kind of really was in this not knowing anything. And I don't know if it was the not knowing that allowed me to have a stronger feeling that everything was going to be okay. And while I was in that room, I just kept telling myself, like, if you stay strong, if you don't stress, he's going to be fine. Like if you stress, he's going to stress because your baby is going to feel every single emotion right now that you're feeling. So I was cracking jokes, you know, Mm -hmm. I was really honestly just telling myself everything is going to be fine. Like if I start thinking anything negative, something bad is going to happen. And I have a really strong faith. So I was just praying a lot and, Mm -hmm. you know, just, I had to be that person. And I think too, we were very lucky that the doctor, she, like I said, she was amazing. So she didn't cut the cord wider right away. She allowed Brixton to, you know, be on my cord and get that extra, um, you could probably help me out on, what is it? Delayed cord clamping? Yep. Correct. Yep. yep. So she did it as long as she could. So I think he was able to go, uh, it was like 45 seconds on the cord, which is better than nothing. So yeah, she yeah. explained to me why she wasn't cutting the cord right away because she didn't cut the cord right away. So I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And she's like, don't worry. She's like, it's called delayed cord clamping. And she goes into, you know, why it's important. And I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden she just, after that, puts him through the window and all I see are these long feet. And like I said, I was trying to stay positive. And the first thing that pops out of my mouth, like <laughs> I was seeing my baby because all I saw his feet is why are his legs so long? I'm like, <laughs> his legs aren't supposed to be that long. And everyone just starts laughing kind of like, what is like, that's what you're worried about or his long legs? I love it. Yeah. That's amazing. That is that, I don't know. It's amazing birth story. It happened quick. And like you said, I mean, I think part of you not knowing exactly mm-hmm. all the numbers and the stats and everything, yes. premature birth definitely helped you. But also of course, like uh, even more than that, like having faith and just believing that everything is going to be okay. And okay. knowing mm-hmm. too that like God's in control much more than you are. So you stressing yes. worry takes, doesn't do anything for us. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that definitely all combined is is amazing. So, you know, he's out, he passed him through the window, he gets over to the NICU team and what kind of happens from there? So um, I had to, of course, wait for my placenta to come out and nobody explains that part. No, they don't. <laughs> nobody tells you about the pain of that part. And I was like, okay, we're done. And they're like, oh no, you're not done. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Um, so of course I had to wait for that to happen. And then- um, they took me to a room and within like, I would say probably 15 minutes of being in that room, uh, the NICU doctor walks in and tells me, you will hear in two hours, um, what's going on. If you get a phone call before those two hours, it's not good. So no call is a good call. And he told me, you know, you didn't have time to get anything extra to help his lungs develop. And, you know, this is a really early pregnancy. So he told me the, and Brian and I are sitting there together and he tells me your son has a less than 50% chance of surviving past 24 hours. And I just remember looking at him and I told him, I'm like, he'll make it. And he, he was just kind of like taken back. And he's like, he, he liked my confidence. And he's like, okay. He's like, 
But if he makes it past these 24 hours, then, you know, his chances of surviving go up, but they're still slim that he'll make it past 48 hours. He goes, and it's going to be a kind of an every milestone thing. And I said, okay. I was like, well, he's, he's going to make it. And so he told me um, that if I can, that they encourage, you know, to pump and to breastfeed because, you know, breast milk is really good for them um, during their NICU stay if he makes it. And he explained to me how they do have donor milk. So I can sign the paper for donor milk. And I told him, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I'll do it. Like I'll sign the paper, but I'm, I'm going to do it. So, you know, I think he was taken back about how I was handling it too. Cause I wasn't an emotional, you know, hysterical mess. I was just very positive and very like, he's, he's going to make it, which Looking back, I was kind of like, okay, maybe I should have shown a little bit more emotion, but um, that was just my way of handling it was mm -hmm. just to be positive and to be yeah. like, everything's going to be fine. So he leaves and um, I finally get admitted into my room and I asked the nurse right away. I'm like, can you please bring me a pump? So it was just kind of the waiting game for two hours. And I'm like, I can either sit here and cry and wallow, or I could get that damn pump. And I can try to go to town and do as much as I can. Um, and so I did. And then the two hours passed and we get a phone call saying that he made it, that he's okay. Um, so then we get to go down there and then that's whenever all the terminology just starts popping. Um, but we were very lucky. And I can honestly say like God really was with me that day and he really was looking over our son because he had no brain bleed, mm, which, wow. you know, I delivered him vaginally. So I, they expected for him to have some brain bleeds for me though. Um, I think that having him come vaginally, I think was for me, this is what I feel was the best thing for him. Um, I know not all moms are lucky. I shouldn't say lucky. Not all moms can do that. And so I don't want to, you know, discourage anybody, but my feelings the way I felt for my son, because, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. Um, that was really important for me. So he didn't have any brain bleeds. Um, he was only intubated for, I think it was like nine hours, which wow. yes, was amazing because he didn't get anything extra to help his lungs mm -hmm. develop. Um, so we were very fortunate in a lot of those aspects, but then during his new NICU state, you know, we did have those bumps in the road where the doctors were like, well, this is what we expected because he was born so early. So, yeah. And I mean, the first time I saw him, I thought he was just the most adorable thing. Like his skin was see-through, his face was a little bit bruised up. Um, Brian says that I pushed and they dropped him, but I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm like, I told him like, how could you even have seen? Like you weren't even near, you were right by me, but that's what he says. I'm like, mm, I don't know if I believe that. Um, <laughs> he was probably just bruised from coming out, but <laughs> so his face was bruised. Um, his skin was see-through. He was tiny. He was one pound, 12 ounces and wow. 13 inches long. Yeah. Wow. And he had, I remember these cool little like aviator looking glasses things over his eyes because he was under the billy light and I mean 
it was it was definitely not what I expected to see because of the movies and Grey's Anatomy. What I expected was not what I saw in Grey's Anatomy. Um, so yeah, it was it was an eye opener for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think every NICU journey, especially, you know, like you said, you see your baby that for that first time. And I think something that shocks people, there's no preparing for, you know, a 24 week birth. No. There really isn't. Um, and you see them and, and their skin being see-through. I mean, you can almost see all their organs. It's, it's crazy. And it definitely can throw people off and, um, the NICU. Yeah. It's just full of ups and downs. You have to really, and this is, you know, not from my personal experience, but just from all the stories I've heard and walked through with other, you know, parents as a labor and delivery nurse, um, you just, you have to play it day by day. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, I just give my heart out to every NICU parent, especially a 24 week, you know, birth, because that is just, it's a long journey. It's a hard journey. It's stressful. And I mean, how, how did you, what would you tell somebody, I guess, who was kind of in a similar situation? Like, how did you, I know you said staying positive and your faith and everything like that was a huge yes. thing for you. Um, but what other advice would you give, I guess, for somebody who's facing like, a, you know, a NICU stay, even maybe much shorter than yours. Um, but just in general on just how to handle it, especially not to mention you're going through postpartum baby blues and all mm-hmm. those things, hormonal changes on top of it. Um, I know for me and not every NICU mom and not every mom in general is able to do it, but breastfeeding was a huge thing for me. Um, being able to nourish with bricks in like my milk. And like I said, I know not, not everybody is able to do that. NICU, preemie, full-term baby, you know? Um, but that was something that I think helped me in a way feel like I was doing something for him that the nurses couldn't do. The doctors couldn't do that. I could do for him. And I thought it was a way that I could build that connection that, okay, I couldn't hold you full term, but at least I can do this for you. And my goal originally was just to do one month, two months, but we just stopped nursing in July. So we went two years and two months. Yeah. Um, So I would say if you can, even if you can only produce for a day or two, that little colostrum does magic like for them. I mean, they literally dropped one ML in his little <laughs> swabbed his mouth. Um, but I think ultimately asking questions, mm-hmm. they don't get upset when you ask questions. Um, I think asking the nurses questions, you know, what does this do? Why do they have this um, being understanding and patient too? I know it's a scary time and I know that there are times where we get very frustrated, but I think when you ask questions, I know the social worker, she had actually told me, here's two books that we recommend that parents get. Um, it goes over terminology, it goes over what to expect. It goes over, you know, if this happens, then there's this, this, and this step that are made. And so getting a book just based on prematurity and NICU stays, it really, honestly, it helped me because they would talk about something that happened and I would go to my book and I would look up the terminology and I didn't feel like it was like, they would talk to me, it was wah, 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 wah. I understood what they were saying. And I asked questions, um, be your child's advocate is I think the biggest thing I can say when you feel that there is something wrong or you feel that a nurse is just not the best fit for your child speak up 
because there were times where I had to say, you know what, I don't like this decision. I don't think this is the best decision. I want a different option. And so um, I think having that voice will help you too. And journaling. I had a friend buy me a journal and it talked about like every day you would put the dates, um, their weights, their height, um, or I should say how long they were. <laughs> um, it said, you know, things we did today, good things, bad things. And so on those, I always called them rest days. I didn't call them bad days. I called them rest days. So on those rest days, I would look back and say, okay, well, today he's resting because he's worked so hard these last weeks. Um, this is where we were at yesterday and we're here today, but look how far he's come so right. far. And kangaroo care. Oh my gosh. I used to bug them all the time. Okay. So I could only do one hour. So can I do two hours? And they would say, not today, but maybe we could try tomorrow. And so eventually, I mean, I would be there all day long. I would get there at about 8.30 in the morning and then I would leave about 10, 30, 11 at night. So I was there all day long and I would just bug them all the time. Can I do kangaroo care? Eventually they, they taught me how to take him out. So then that way they could, yeah, and put him on me. And I think when you do kangaroo care and skin to skin, when you're going through this journey, regardless if your baby's 24 weeks, 30 weeks, you know, 35 weeks, mm -hmm. 37 weeks and something happens, you really do feel that sense of security because you have them on your body and they just curled into you and you smell that baby's smell and you have their heartbeat in your heartbeat and you really feel like, okay, like this, this, I couldn't hold you, but I'm holding you now. Like, right. So I, I'm a big advocate for skin to skin, even with my friends who have full-term babies. I'm like, do skin to skin. It's the best yes. thing ever. <laughs> like, it is. It I'm is. Like, no you, matter. Don't have to have a, you don't have to have a preemie. You can do skin to skin and they're full term. Like it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you think about it, you're all they've known, you know, they've been inside of you their mm -hmm. whole lives. So for them to come out and not get that, I mean, yeah, it's definitely no matter what, where you are, as far as gestation terms, er, term, skin to skin is <laughs> yeah. definitely amazing. It really is. Um, and I think too, I really got to honestly get to know the nurses and the doctors because when you're not there, they're the ones who are watching over your child. So the more you get to know them, the more you feel comfortable. Like right. I remember we are very fortunate that Brixton had so many primary nurses. <laughs> um, so we developed really close relationships, especially I was there all day long. And so I remember, I think when he was about a month, month and a half, kind of whenever we were through all this super, super scary stuff, um, one of the nurses had suggested that Brian and I start doing date nights. And so every other Friday we would go on a date night. So we would come and we would be there while he switched or well, I should say well, bricks and switched, but while the nurses did their shift switch, we would see who was going to be on there. We always made sure it was like one of the three, four main nurses that were his primaries and we would do his care. And then we would say, okay, bricks and mommy and daddy are going to go have a date night. And so we would, we would go and have dinner and relax. And then, you know, the next morning, boom, eight 30, I'm back to my routine. So it was really nice, like I said, that we got to know them so well that we felt so comfortable doing something like that because it was our time to have together. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely very important to, you know, trust the people who are caring for your child yes. all the time while you're not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how long um, was his NICU stay? So he was there for 105 days. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he, it was expected that he would come home after his due date or near his due date, never before his due date. And I think he came home um, a week before his due date. And then they predicted that he was going to come home on oxygen and he was going to come home with more than likely a feeding tube. And he came home without any of those. That's amazing. So, yeah. And he came home. He, he was big when he came home. They said he's one of the biggest that they've sit home. I mean, he weighed one pound, 12 ounces. And I think when he left, he was seven pounds, eight ounces. Wow. Yeah. That's a big yeah. jump. <laughs> it, it was, it was that's really awesome. interesting to see the big jump. And I mean, yeah. he was still tiny, but to know, like, you probably would have been a big baby if I would have went full term. Like, yeah. And maybe what was... the epidural would have came in. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like taking him home? Um, it was a little bit scary. I'm not going to lie because I had gotten so used to, I call it our bubble because whenever I was there, nothing else that was going on in the world mattered. Like I had no clue, honestly, what was going on. I didn't know, like, I didn't know anything. As soon as I would get to the NAQ, I'd put my phone down and, you know, it was just me and Bricks and it was our time, um, to also have the, machines tell you their oxygen, their heart rate, you do get comfortable with that, but they also prepare you to look at their body language. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we had to take a CPR class before we left. And, um, I had to show that I could feed him myself bottle and breast. And then he had to pass a car seat test. (sighs) Those are like the main ones that you had to do. So, um, I was a little scared because I, if something was to happen, I didn't have nurse come here real quick, doctor, something I didn't have that, but we did have to go to his pediatrician, um, within 24 hours. So then that was comforting. And then after that we had weekly visits, but it was scary because I was just so used to our bubble. And I knew now that we're home, you know, it's not our bubble now. I have to deal with real world stuff. I have to deal with <laughs> going to the store, you know, um, telling people, cause we didn't really allow visitors telling people, you know, no, I'm sorry. Like we're not going to allow visitors because in the NICU, there were no visitors. We only allowed his right. grandparents to come visit. So it was kind of nice that we didn't have to tell people, you know, it was just already there. Um, but after the first couple nights, we got into our swing of it. And I think too, I was nervous about his three hour schedule because he was so used to that every three hours, but he broke himself off of that schedule. He, I think he was happy to be home and not have to be messed with every three hours. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I know you kind of shared, like when I asked you, you know, what would you tell a mom who is experiencing that NICU stay? You gave a good couple amazing pieces of advice, but do you have like one top bit of advice you would give for a mom in general, whether it be, you know, a new mom, first time mom, NICU, uh, mom has a baby in the NICU, what would kind of be like your top bit of advice for them? Be positive. I know that that's really hard. Um, but even when the bad news comes, 
be positive by your baby's bedside. Once you walk through those NICU doors, once you hit your car, cry it out. But around your child, try to be as positive as you can. Um, I think that's something that I have told a lot of people too that have reached out to me. Like I have a baby in the NICU, I'm having a pre, like, you know, how can I handle this? And I always tell them, be as positive as you can, be as strong as you can when you're around your child, because even though you're not carrying them, they still feel your energy. They still feel everything you're feeling. Um, there were times when we got some horrible news and I remember I was like, okay. And I had my braces on, but as soon as some nights and some days when we would get bad news, as soon as I would hit my car, I would, I would let it all out. I would Mm -hmm. cry. I mean, we're human. We're moms, you know, we're going to feel that hurt for our children because they're sick. But if we can be positive for them and if we can be strong for them by their bedside, by them, then we're allowing them to feel that. And we're allowing them to think I'm going to be okay. Like I'm a strong baby already, but mom's not worried. So why am I worried? Like, that's just the way I, I thought of it. So I would say, be positive, be strong. When you hit your car, cry it out, ugly cry, hit the steering wheel, do what you got to do. Let those emotions out because I did it all the time. And then, you know, the next day, go ahead and do it all over again. So yeah, yeah, be positive. Yeah. I think that that fits your story very well because that was just kind of like a general theme, honestly, from start to finish you, you know, you remain positive. You spoke positive affirmation over yourself and your son. And I definitely think that, you know, it worked because like you said, you have, you have a literal miracle of a 24 week baby. They told you you had less than like less than a 50% chance of making it past 24 hours. And he, you know, is thriving, healthy, two years old, came home before his due date without a feeding mm-hmm. tube, without oxygen. That's it, it just, that's just incredible. Yeah, it is. Um, and I think the doctors too, and the nurses, I'm still very close with them. Yeah. And they even till this day will say like, they believe it was all the kangaroo care I did, you know, all the hands-on care that I did myself being positive. That is what really helped him to thrive and to be a literal miracle. I mean, all of the odds were against him. They really truthfully and honestly were. And, you know, looking at statistics now and really seeing where he should have been at in life and where he should be right now. I mean, I remind myself every day how lucky and extremely blessed we are. And, you know, like I said, he walked um, right when he was supposed to, you know, he did, he's achieved so many milestones that they told us were probably not going to happen. So that's just something that still to this day, I still try to be around him. You know, I still try to be positive. I still try to be strong, but you know, when he is sick and he's not feeling good, you know, I will take my break and take a shower and cry in the shower. And then when I get out of the shower, I'm like, all right, dude, you're sick, but you're going to be fine in a couple, like we got this. So yeah, I think, and it's scary whenever you look at statistics, like you said, and I am part of um, two mom pages of NICU and preemies and to read the stories of, you know, the moms who have had to fight for the doctors to save their child's lives at 22 and 23 weeks. And I think to myself, like that easily could have been us. We were just three days shy, yeah. you know, of 24 weeks. And so it it really is kind of daunting to look at the statistics of everything and, you know, really read in depth about it. And 
it, it's crazy. It really, and I didn't know anyone who had somebody early before, but it's like, now that I've gone through this myself, it's crazy how many more people, you know, random people too, like at the grocery store, they'll be like, oh yeah, like, he's so cute. How old is he? I'll be like, oh, he's two. Oh, he's still, I know he's small. Like he was born early. Like he was a 24 week. They're like, really? Like my son or my twins were born at 24 weeks or 25 weeks and they're 15, 16 now, or, you know, they're adults. And so it's just interesting. That's kind of this little community amongst itself. It's like preemie radar that like we yes. all kind of know each other like dee, 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 dee. I think I that, that was that was similar to me <laughs> preemie radar I like that <laughs> yeah. that's amazing it was, it was definitely a journey and I think um I think sometimes when people hear NICU they automatically think bad but I always tried to remind myself of how lucky I am that we have such modern medicine in the U.S. that we have the capability to, you know, deliver at 24 weeks and we have the means that are necessary. You know, we have the nurses who have practiced all of this to where they can attempt to save a child. And so there were times where I would get frustrated and, you know, oh my gosh, you know, why is this happening? Like, why can we just not figure it out? And then I'd be like, Brina, there are people, you know, in other countries who probably wish that they could be in your situation right now. So humbleize yourself, be lucky, read about, you know, maybe another step and bring it to the doctor's attention, maybe what you want to try. So, you know, I think being educated too is a big thing when you're in the NICU yeah. and knowing that it's not, it doesn't have to always be scary. It really doesn't. Like, I think if we go into it positively and we go into it as they're sick, you know, Hopefully they get better because I know that there are some stories where they're not so fortunate. Um, but I think that's why I try to push that the NICU doesn't have to be scary because I want for, you know, NICU moms to enjoy those moments with their kids because it, even though he made it, there were some really tough times where we didn't know if he was going to make it, but I wanted those moments spent with him as positive moments that if he didn't make it, I had those moments with him that I was happy with him. Right. So yeah, Yeah. that's, that's definitely important and just very true. Like holding on to those moments because you don't know what's going to happen. You really Uh don't and making Mm -hmm. them the positive best memories that you can. Yeah. Cause I mean, I've seen children who were born later than him and who were sicker than him. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in the NICU for that long, you see, everything you see I mean tons and tons of stuff so I it was just always being fortunate and never comparing what my son was going through to somebody else and thinking well their baby was born later so mm-hmm. you know they're luckier than you know like, we all have our different stories we all have our different situations Yes. Yeah. Well, Sabrina, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. I loved hearing it, honestly. And I just love, I honestly, I love your positivity throughout it. Like a little bit of advice was just stay positive. And, um, yeah, it just seems like you, you were so hopeful and faithful throughout it. And you just, Mm -hmm. I know, I'm sure there were very many hard days. Like you said, you'd get to the car and lose it most days probably, but, um, you know, even though you stayed strong through it and it's just an incredible story an incredible testimony, especially, and he's two years old, healthy. You said Brixton, right? 
Brixton, yes. That's that's awesome. Um, where can people connect with you? Is there a place for them to find you? So I do have an Instagram. It's um, Brix.mama. And that page is honestly where I talk about his journey a lot. Um, you can go back to where our NICU stays and I did our weekly updates. Um, so that's mostly where I post everything about him. So if there's any moms who are going through something similar or, you know, they just need that little bit of reassurance, they can totally go out or reach out to me. I'm always someone who, you know, is always here to help out other moms going through this journey because it can be lonely. And I don't want anybody to ever feel lonely going through this journey. Yes. And is Bricks B-R-I-X? No, it's B-R-Y-X-T-O-N. Wow, that's way off. No, it's okay. It's like the brand, the brand Bricks did, but we changed it to a Y because his dad's name is Brian. Okay. So he wanted a B-R-Y name. Gotcha. Love it. <laughs> yeah. So that one was a little unique. I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sabrina. Thank you for just coming on and sharing your story with us. Thank you. I appreciate you letting me share this story. I really do. I was happy to finally share it. <laughs> yes. Good. Well, I'm very glad. <laughs> and congratulations. Thank you. I see moving on the ball. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.